Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, and all that's in between, because that's a thing. It's been a thing for a while now. People <laughs> cross gender. <laughs> what kind of intro is it? <laughs> I should I should delete this and start over. Oh no. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna keep it. We're gonna keep it. We're gonna move on. <laughs> um, today's guest. <laughs> Wait. Let me let me just settle down for a minute. Uh, today's guest is my good pal Miron. She's uh she's like a sister to me. We've been on countless video and media adventures. Even left the country, went down to L.A., rocked some shit there. And what else can I say about her credentials? She's worked for MTV. Works with me in King of the Dot. Um, wrote a couple articles for Vice. She's all over the place. She's in a she's in a documentary, and uh, we're gonna talk about all these things. We're gonna talk about just going for it. We're gonna talk about the journey. We're gonna talk a little bit about some philosophical things. And yeah, she's all around just one of the most awesome people I know. And right now, you're going to meet her. bit of noise like a um, but but this is good like I can hear like the voice pretty clear oh, okay. and this is kind of like a grunge rock type show anyways it's not like fucking <laughs> I'm, we're not in studios I'm just and I think it's kind of is it on app like um, can I download it in my iTunes podcast? yeah I'm uh, actually this week I'm gonna put this one on iTunes because I uh I was like looking in a forum like how to do it and I heard if you wait till like four or five episodes there is and you put a whole like bunch of episodes on it can go to the section called like what's new so it's better to like I was gonna do it with oh, episode to have one a but then I read that and they're like no no wait a wait a bit and then be like oh, okay so, yeah awesome anywho I uh you don't know it but I just did an intro for you and uh, so they, they already know who you are. Okay. And I, I hope I did. It's justice of your fucking awesomeness and everything. And so, like, what's what's new with you? What, what are you working on? You're always working on, like, a million things and just rocking shit in the video world. Yeah. Well, recently, I guess I've been doing more, like, working with artists and, like, upcoming hip-hop artists in Toronto. Um, so I've been helping out a lot with people like sort of developing them as well as like doing music videos I've actually done two music videos recently that I directed and I'm working on my third music video that I'll be directing for this artist called Mac Davis oh cool and I mostly know you from like doing media work and battle rap and 
music video is like a whole different type of universe where it comes to uh, just like filming it, editing it, and stuff like that. How do you how do you find like the transition for you into that? Um, it's pretty easy because I did go to school for broadcast journalism, so I have experience like like writing and like doing a shot list and going through the whole prep as well as I've watched so many music videos so I kind of get what the flow of a music video is as well uh, but I enjoy it a lot it's yeah. super creative yeah that's dope and you worked at MTV for a bit right yeah I was at MTV for six months but when I was there it was in the much music building at 299 so I was also helping out much music and I was helping out um I was helping out e-talk a little bit and um you know a lot of the other channels that they have there yeah and you, you mentioned you grew up watching all these videos and stuff like that and now like kind of like our generation like the time has changed where it's not really like if they play a video it's for 30 seconds or whatever and i don't know if you remember watching like much music back in the day but like seeing the building it was like super so live yeah. there was like fucking all these shows there what was your experience like in this generation of going into that building was it like somewhat disappointing or was it like kind of cool or? um well it wasn't necessarily disappointing but when i did like i always grew up like being obsessed with much music and watching it a lot same with mtv i remember when mtv started and watching it grow um or mtv canada so I wanted to be a much music DJ and that's why I went to school for broadcast journalism and I wanted to interview artists and work with artists um, and then when I got into the building I saw that everything was kind of dying but I don't know it didn't deter me at all it was a little sad to see them like see the corporate people step in and have it not be as creative and have it not about being content but like just making money yeah um, Do you think that's like the, the biggest problem with kind of mainstream media right now where I don't know where people are listening to the show from, but in Canada or Toronto based, it seems like two companies bought everything. Yeah. And it's not it's like, like a monopoly. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it can be bad, especially from a journalistic level, because if those companies have certain political values they're going to sort of push them in their content yeah uh but yeah i don't know i think that like those companies try they tr they they jump on trends when it's already too late which is one thing that's like really bad and instead of being like you know what we need to create better content they go no we're just going to cut this and cut that and i don't think it's a solution and i was thinking about it the other day when i was walking actually um like big corporate companies yeah remind me like in the media they remind me of that scene in titanic when you see the orchestra continue to play as the <laughs> and they're just totally oblivious to the fact that they're dying and they're on a sinking ship and they're not trying to change or get a life raft they're just you know yeah they're just going down yeah with it. yeah with their nice suits on and you know their perfect song i don't know yeah that's like that's an amazing analogy and it's it's fucking crazy it's like and you you mentioned like you kind of wanted to like interview artists and stuff and i see you doing that like you just 
went to not Boston, I'm going to call yeah. it. Um, yeah. What was Holyoke? Or? Yeah, um, I don't even remember where we were, honestly. Yeah. Uh, I think it was called Holyoke. Holyoke was the city, but we were staying like 45 minutes outside of Holyoke, I think. Or Are the we... other way around. I don't know. We were in two different cities. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, like, we mainly worked together in the battle rap universe. And that was one adventure I wasn't with you on. How was, how was that experience being out in the, the U.S. again? Oh, it was fun. Um, I was the only girl, once again. <laughs> there was so many guys there. Yeah. Um, but it was really fun because now that I sort of know a lot of people in King of the Dot, um, I feel like it's more like sort of like a family reunion because you're seeing all these familiar faces. You're just in a, in a different city. So you still feel pretty comfortable, and I feel comfortable with most of the people Yeah, there. it's kind of like this traveling family, which is beautiful about it. Like, uh, it was, I'm going to say it was so fun to, like, go to L.A. with you because you're, like, the best, like, traveling partner. <laughs> like, you're just, like... So chill. Yeah, so chill. Like, that's, like, the perfect way to put it. It's, like, no drama or whatever. Yeah. But, oh, man, I just thought of, like, this... I don't know you. Oh, you probably remember this, like, the... When we landed, it was pretty late at night or whatever. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. And um, I didn't know where we were actually staying. Yeah. And I just knew, like, I knew the address, but I didn't know LA. So we went to the cabbie, and we're just like, "Oh, uh, can you can you take us here?" Blah blah blah. And uh, he's driving for a bit. It was a it was a crazy cab fare because like the airport's like nowhere near anything. Yeah. And we pulled up to this hotel, and there was just cop cars everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember asking the cab driver, I'm like, oh, is this a bad area? <laughs> and he started laughing, and he was like, yep. And then, so we check in, and they, we go in the elevator, and it, the elevator's just, like, splattered in blood and shit like that. <laughs> I, what was, like, your thoughts of, like, that moment where you're just like, oh, fuck, what have I done? I... <laughs> so far away from home i'm with this like i'm with sean who's like hasn't gotten in a fight since he was like a child and um, i'm uh like you're you're pretty much like in in a spot where you can get murdered you know yeah that's true i i don't know i'm not scared in those type of situations because i feel like um like i don't think most people see me as someone threatening yeah and they also don't see me as someone they necessarily want to rob and at the same time i find that a lot of violence has to do like people mostly get in violent fights with people they're associated with and i'm not really associated with anyone yeah um so i don't know i w i just thought it was an interesting adventure and i didn't have high expectations for <laughs> yeah. uh, a rap battle hotel yeah actually one of my favorite things too is like the day after i went like across the street or yeah we both went across the street to get breakfast and it said just the sign welcome to inglewood and i was like oh shit i've only heard about this place in gangster rap <laughs> so i knew like it was like a fucking hilarious thing i had never heard of it before but then now i hear about it all the time and when people start like lifting or listing off like really dangerous places they say anglewood yeah it just reminds me of that it's like yeah that's where i stayed yeah. in la <laughs> yeah. up in the hotel with a bunch of crips and shit yeah. like that no, but that, that was a that was a pretty crazy adventure. It was. Yeah, I was gonna mention, or like you mentioned earlier too, uh, about being like kind of like the only girl there, and Toronto's not too bad, but I find like 
kind of like the type of girls who hang out in that scene. I don't know. You're like very different where you're there to to like work and make some cool content and stuff. Where, which I respect so much because like before you came around, like most. I'm gonna offend somebody, but I don't think any of these chicks listen to the show. But most of these girls, like, would just come and they want to be seen on camera or just fuck a bunch of rappers. Yeah, yeah. And like, no, I kind of noticed that too. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm not getting mixed up in all that. Do you find like some of the guys like kind of will take you as like one of those girls and like? Um, a little bit, but at the same time. They're also the type of people who, when they see someone they respect, respect me, they kind of are nicer to me, if that makes sense. And they're not as, like, like, they'll hit on me in, like, a jokey way, but I don't, I don't know, I don't think they really need it. Yeah, yeah. Um, in a non-jokey way, I'm not going to drop names, but there's a giant. <laughs> there's a giant. <laughs> and how tall are you? I'm, like, 4'11". So, there's a... Uh, there's a, there's a pretty big name rapper who is uh, kind of... Battle rapper. Yeah, battle rapper. He's kind of fond of our friend Miron right now. And Miron is kind of the side, I'd say, of his ankle. <laughs> like, it's pretty... When, when he kind of, like, comes forward on you, like, how does that feel? Like, is it scary? Or no, like, not at all. Yeah, I don't really care. I'm never yeah. alone with him. Yeah, I always, I always feel like you can handle yourself. Too. Yeah. And I, I remember one day I even asked you, are, are you okay? And you're like, yeah. <laughs> but it's just like... Yeah, I don't, I don't take it seriously at all. There's something like a part of me where I find that so hilarious when I kind of like see him trying to work that game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it, I don't know if it's the height difference or whatever. It's just like <laughs> this like monster like after like a midget type thing. <laughs> I'm... This, sorry, this chair oh, is leaking. That's oh, okay. it's all good. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not scared at all. I don't really care. I just see it as, like, a joke. Actually, I didn't really hear, like, too much details about this, but were you getting, like, filmed for, like, a reality show? Oh, I'm, um, like, getting filmed for a documentary, but, um, is that what you're talking about? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, people were, like, trying to follow, or, like, following your life or something Yeah, like that. yeah. It's, like, called something about millennial life, and, um... You know, when I first said yes to the documentary, um, I thought that it was going to be about, I thought it was going to be more, like, here are some millennials, why can't, why is it so hard to get a job, you know, because you're promised, like, when you're younger, you're promised all you have to do is go to college, and you graduate and find a job, but then the finding the job is such a hard part, and so... I thought that this documentary would be exploring that and like using us as examples but focusing mainly on like the companies and like and the government and stuff like that and it's not at all it's mostly just like ooh like look at these millennials like how millennials live their life and like oh, I don't really? know I don't like it it's like there's it's a little bit condescending yeah. you know I hate when people do the whole ages thing and try and be like ooh like look how different they are by being like this or being so like that do you almost like feel like or you thought it was going to be one thing yeah, like a conscious and thing and now, now you're I'm kinda... signing into way too much What it's not oh, what shit. I thought it was going to yeah. be and I'm a really private person and they keep wanting me to expose so much and it's like this is stuff that I don't even talk about with my family like I'm not going to talk to 
do about this. Yeah. And I guess the thing about, the only good thing about this, doing this doc, is it's making me realize that, you know, before I thought I, t yeah, I would totally do reality TV. It would, like, push my career forward, and now I'm like, no, I would never do reality TV. Yeah. It's, oh, that's, that's, so, that's too bad. It's like, yeah. it almost feels like you're feeling like a zoo animal or I know, something. I don't like it at all. Especially when you're thinking it's going to be, like, this conscious thing. And, yeah. Oh, that's, that's a bummer. So, and I hate being lumped into a box. Yeah. Do you, did you, like, sign, like, a contract or whatever? And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then it just started unfolding into being, like, something way bigger than I thought it would be. And then she wants me to have, like, all my social media and stuff involved and I just like said no yeah you know yeah that's that's kind of good that you're putting up some barriers with that too yeah do you, do you still got a lot of filming with that to do I don't know because I haven't heard from them in a while I think we're pretty much done filming um yeah I think we're pretty much done yeah oh, that's, that's yeah it's relieving that we're done I don't know what else we're gonna do like she even wanted like we had to film me Skyping my mom and like my relationship with my parents is like super sacred and stuff. Yeah, so it's like have, a private thing. Yeah, just to have that filmed and stuff. It's like this has nothing to do with me not being able to get a job. Like I don't want to. I didn't know I, it would be so character driven. I thought it would be more about like factual the, the things. Problems, and I'm just like an example of one of them. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so fucked up. It's like. Growing up, they're always like, oh, you have to go to school and do this and do this and take these steps. And then everybody's taking these steps and spending so much money. And then in the end, they don't have anything. I it's know. Just... It's like the skit in, um, there's like a Kanye West skit from Late Registration. Or maybe it's College Dropout where he's talking about like, um, get your master's degree. And then you get your master's, master's degree. I don't know. It's a really funny skit. And he's just talking about how like um he has no job and that he's and he talks about when he dies you know it's gonna keep me warm my degrees and like it's pretty funny <laughs> actually to hear it i played it for my uncle who has like a phd in something and um he was pretty offended oh really <laughs> yeah but, but i'm like uh, super anti-education yeah, and, and maybe he's like from a different generation too where yeah. like your education could get you a job yeah well, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say like an education won't get you a job because you can get an education even, outside of school. And yeah. Well, that's what bothers me is that like there's no um there's no okay. So first of all, of course everyone's gonna tell you you have to get an education when you're gonna go a hundred thousand dollars in debt either with you know the government or with a bank. Of course they're gonna tell you yeah this is the road you need to take. Yes. Right. And then second of all, it's like it's not factually correct I don't think like the curriculum that they make for you like say if you're going to study philosophy the curriculum they decide for you to me that's not factually correct I think that if you want to study philosophy then you can go to the library and yeah. discover for yourself and like that money is way better spent I don't know for me like I don't see how writing and like reading and writing an essay can necessarily make you learn things especially when a lot of the great philosophers didn't do that at all. They just lived life and then wrote about it. Yeah. And then focused on what they thought was important and then educated themselves on what they thought was important. And so to me, I don't think it's fair for a school to say, like, this curriculum means that you're going to be great or that you're 
I don't know that you're going to be an expert in this subject. I think people can be experts in certain subjects by being self-taught and through living life. Definitely, and that's that's kind of how we're living right now. Yeah. And it's, it's it's cool like to see. Uh, it's a very Taoist mind, if you yeah. say. If, and uh, I I don't know if like people who are listening to this know what Taoism is, but long story short, like I don't know the exact definition, but it's kind of like going with the flow through life and just like you show me. Um, what's it called? The Tao of Pooh. The Tao of Pooh, which Pooh is... Bear. Yeah. How would you explain that book? Because it's so cool. Um, well, the book is basically going through the stories from um, the Hundred Acre Woods, and it's explaining it from a Taoist point of view, and it's, um, it's taking each character, and it's kind of showing you who those characters are in life. So like for example, like there's Rabbit who's like the busy Baxton. So the busy Baxton is that person that you see always running around and working and doing things, but they're actually not really going anywhere. They're not really getting anything done. They're yeah. just kind of busy. Looking busy and yeah. kind of worrying and yeah. shit like that. Yeah. And then um and then like uh Piglet I guess is the warrior. Yeah. And like I don't know, it's really interesting. And like um, Jet Li has a lot of quotes about Taoism and stuff. And Taoism isn't really a religion; it's just like a way of life. But um, what I discovered when I was reading it, because I used, I always panic about my career. Yeah. Um, and then I realized that like uh, all the best things that happen to you in life, like uh, the people you meet, and you know, like the friends that you have, and the, the best opportunities you've had. You never, you could have never planned that. You could have never thought, oh, if I show up at this place, I'm going to meet this person that's going to be helpful to me in this way. And so, when you look back and you realize that none of those things were planned, then you need to move forward and not be so, like, not plan so much and just go with sort of what feels right and um, don't do anything with expectation. Yeah. <laughs> to just. Um, because that's how you get disappointed, right? So it's better to do things because it feels right, and then whatever happens, happens. Yeah. And one sec. We'll take a pause for the cause. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by the paramedics. <laughs> I hope everybody's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's just like, I, I love like, the philosophy of like a Taoist mind. Yeah. And uh, I started. It teaches you to relax yeah. about your destiny and that, like, if you push for something, then um, you're going to end up in the wrong place. So to just kind of go naturally with the flow. And so, like, an example of that, I was listening to um, Louis C.K. on the Mark Marin podcast. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so, Louis C.K., he, like, he edits his own television show and he writes and he um he also like directs it as well and he knows a lot about film yeah but so he was born to a mom who was like a computer i don't know what she was like i don't know what you call it computer technician or something someone who fixes computers oh okay um and so like if you look back at that like louis didn't go home like he wasn't in his mom's stomach thinking oh god I hope I'm like born to a mom who knows a lot about computers so then when I become um, a famous comedian and film my own shows I know how to edit them and yeah. like he said that he started comedy because he had found a computer on the side of the road and he um, he 
brought it home and he started digging through the computer and finding all these notes about this guy who like happened to be gay but was stealing money from his parents and apparently that was one of his first bits oh, okay. um, and that's what kind of like pushed him into comedy I think that's what he was saying yeah so that's something he could have never planned but now it's like comedy is obviously the biggest thing in his life so mm -hmm. when you just look at people's patterns and what got them to success it was never things that they could plan so it's really it's bad to plan too much yeah and it's amazing too I, I do watch that show and like I love how he directs it too it's like very simple and it's more just about like the content and you can tell like a show like that isn't filtered to like a writer's room yeah it's just so it's so strong with the style of jokes yeah and I noticed like if you compare that to like any like sitcom like say like the Big Bang Theory yeah it's like those shows are trying to like please everybody yeah where it's like they go through a checklist yeah before creating the episode yeah oh I fuck it I love that Louis show so much yeah and it's just like like we talked about Taoism it's just like that's it it's just him just going with it and yeah. just like doing his, not overthinking it but yeah. still like putting in work and exactly and what's good is good and also when he was um in high school or middle school he um got like this internship where he was working at like a local television station and he would rent the cameras and use them and so even that thing like when he was doing that he wasn't thinking oh it's great i'm gonna I'm gonna work at this station so then when I have my television show like that wasn't in his mind so that's yeah. he just naturally gravitated towards that so people I think need to stop thinking so much and just like go with what you naturally gra yeah. gravitate towards I, I find uh, a lot of people have trouble doing that too because sometimes you just feel gravitated towards something and other people will get influenced by others around them like yeah. so say like you really wanted to do this like as me as an example like I was in advertising school and all of a sudden my brain was like I don't want to do advertising anymore and I fucked up or I fucked around with a camera a couple times like I wasn't like an aficionado with it but all I want I knew is I wanted to like just pick up this camera and just do work with it long story short like a week later I saw an ad for Toronto like it was an internship at a recording studio which I talked about on the show and I just replied to it it's like hey I got a camera can I help like film artists or whatever and I had a point to this fuck what was I saying before this uh, that you you just felt like you didn't yeah okay yeah yeah so so I wanted I just felt like I needed to do this answer the ad and then People like in my family and my good friends were like what the fuck are you doing they thought like I just like went crazy which maybe I did go crazy <laughs> but yeah. they but they thought like there was like something wrong with like doing something new because it yeah. felt good they're like you spent so many years doing this marketing blah 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 like it's dumb you're gonna go to like an unpaid internship and that was like the best thing I've ever done like it yeah. just led me to like meeting some of my heroes interviewing them like me and you we worked alongside like people like drake like i don't mean to make this <laughs> show like a like a name drop session yeah but it's just there's some certain kind of power which i haven't figured out with just kind of going with that really good gut feeling like especially if it's like genuine yeah. like to yourself and your own 
personal happiness, like yeah. if it feels good type thing. Yeah. But as I say that, I'm thinking like, who knows? Like if you if you felt like murdering somebody and had that those same I feelings, know, like don't that, do that. I was thinking <laughs> that about rape. As yeah, like, yeah. What if, if you find yourself gravitating towards? Yeah. I wonder, like, because you know me, I'm not a rapist. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> I'm just kidding, guys. Um, but it's. It's like, do people who, like, tend to be, like, serial rapists and murderers have that same, like, kind of happy feel? Yeah, that gravitational thing where you have to, it's just like, oh, I need to do this today. Maybe, but that's why they're sick. That's why they're considered sick. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) How do I segue out of this? I'm just like, oh, I don't want to talk about rape anymore. Here's how we segue out of rape. This is a clip. Uh, from the audiobook we just talked about, The Tao of Who. Shout out to Bill Cosby. Tao of Who? We were discussing the definition of wisdom late one night, and we were just about to fall asleep from it all, when Pooh remarked that his understanding of Taoist principles had been passed down to him from certain ancient ancestors. Like who? I asked. Like Pooh Daozi, the famous Chinese painter, Pooh said. That's Wu Daozi. Or how about Li Pu, the famous Taoist poet? Pu asked cautiously. You mean Li Po, I said. Oh, said Pu, looking down at his feet. Then I thought of something. That doesn't really matter anyway, I said, because one of the most important principles of Taoism is named after you. Really? Pu asked, looking more hopeful. Of course, Pu. The uncarved block. I'd forgotten, said Pooh. So here we are, about to try to explain Pooh, the uncarved block. In the classic Taoist manner, we won't try too hard or explain too much, because that would only confuse things, and because it would leave the impression that it was all only an intellectual idea that could be left on the intellectual level and ignored. Then you could say, well, this idea is all very nice, but what does it amount to? So instead, we will try to show what it amounts to, in various ways. Poo, by the way, is pronounced sort of like poo, but without so much oo, like the sound you make when blowing a bug off your arm on a hot summer day. Before we bring our resident expert in for a few illuminating remarks, let's explain something. The essence of the principle of the uncarved block is that things in their original simplicity contain their own natural power, power that is easily spoiled and lost when that simplicity is changed. For the written character Pu, the typical Chinese dictionary will give a definition of natural, simple, plain, honest. Pu is composed of two separate characters combined. The first, the radical or root-meaning one, is that for tree or wood. The second, the phonetic or sound-giving one, is the character for dense growth or thicket. So from tree in a thicket, or wood not cut, comes the meaning of things in their natural state, what is generally represented in English versions of Taoist writing as the uncarved block. This basic Taoist principle applies not only to things in their natural beauty and function, but to people as well. Or bears. Which brings us to Pooh, the very epitome of the uncarved block. As an illustration of the principle, 
he may appear a bit too simple at times. I think it's more to the right, said Piglet nervously. What do you think, Pooh? Pooh looked at his two paws. He knew that one of them was the right, and he knew that when you had decided which one of them was the right, then the other one was the left. But he never could remember how to begin. Well, he said slowly. But no matter how he may seem to others, especially to those fooled by appearances, Pooh the uncarved block is able to accomplish what he does because he is simple-minded. As any old Taoist walking out of the woods can tell you, simple-minded does not necessarily mean stupid. It's rather significant that the Taoist ideal is that of the still, calm, reflecting mirror-mind of the uncarved block, and it's rather significant that Pooh, rather than the thinker's rabbit, owl, or eeyore, is the true hero of Winnie the Pooh and the house at Pooh Corner. What you doing this week? This <laughs> yeah. week? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to get a grant so I can take, like, this program that NBC has, where you basically, it's like a couple-week program, and you get to work, like, um, like in their newsroom for a week, and then you get to work, like, on a late-night show, and then you get to work, um, like, I want to say 30 Rock. I can't think of what other shows they have, but, like, you know, like a sitcom. Yeah, and, um, that's cool. It's, like, a really good learning experience, plus, like, you get to meet such important people, and I think that that's, like, the best way for me to, like, get my foot in the door. Yeah, you said you people. said it was uh, NBC? Yeah. That's uh, American company. Yeah, yeah, so it'd be in New York. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. I was going to ask, is there, like, one around here? But that that's cool that you're just, like, yeah. open well, to I, branch out everywhere. I would want to do it in New York, right, because I would want to work on a legit show. Yeah. So, like, that was, like, me and um, MTV as well. Like, a lot of people wanted me, like, in school, they want you to go for a smaller company. Um, but I want to work with a bigger company and have those bigger contacts. Yeah. Um, I just think it's better. Yeah. And it, it's so good, like, just to want to put your foot in the door. Because some people, like, even, like, if you're getting them coffee or whatever. I want to stress this to people who are trying to get in. Whether it's, like, TV, radio, anything. Like, there is so much power in just getting your foot in the door. Than like some people like feeling entitled, being like, "Oh, I need to be a producer. I need to be a director, yeah. or whatever." Like, I feel like some people like they'll miss out on a really big opportunity if they don't just like meet people, you know? Yeah, like, and I have a lot of big corporate contacts. Like, I know a lot of like big people in CBC. I like now I know people over at like Warner Music Canada as well as Universal Canada, like doing the Junos and the MTV Awards and stuff, and then I know a lot of, like, corporate people in uh, Bell Media, as well as producers, um, and then, as well as, like, I know a lot of people, like, in Orphan Black as well, um, yeah. just because, like, one of my best friends works on the show, so, I don't know, like, I do do the smaller stuff, but I like to work in corporate settings as well, on, like, bigger things, because then I can bring what I've learned to the smaller things, and then also, I know what like my rights are and how things work if yeah. that makes sense because like in a smaller setting more amateur setting people will try and like bullshit you and because i actually know how it works yeah i can call them out on it off yeah well uh, when you first started doing this have you ever like got in like a situation where i i wouldn't say like 
you're naive, but you just thought it was something, and then it ended up being something else, like whether like the people running it told you something different or. Well, actually, you mentioned the the documentary here. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, that was that's definitely one, especially because um, there's something weird about it. I feel like I'm being pimped out. Like I just <laughs> I just don't like it, and yeah. it's like I'll say no to things, and she'll just keep pushing me. But the thing is, is where she's coming from to keep pushing me, it's uh, it's selfish, right? Because it's for her. It's she needs it for her picture, right? Yeah. And so I just don't like that. You know, because I'm uncomfortable with it, but then she continues to push me. Yeah, and, and she's not, like, meeting you in the middle yeah, of the Yeah, and I don't like putting my foot down, right? Yeah. Because, but I also hate when people put me in those situations where I have to put my foot down. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's just whatever. Yeah, and there's, <laughs> I find, like, I'm very similar to you where it's, like, we're both, like, opportunists, and we get a lot of experience in different random things do you happen to have like a dream goal with all this i know you're working in like a direction like media you love doing that stuff do you have like an ultimate thing you really want to do like i don't necessarily have an ultimate thing i want to do which is so hard to explain like when i meet like a lot of older people and they ask me what i want to do yeah that's the worst question (laughs) (laughs) because i would rather just like do like I would rather like my dream would be to do what I want to do to get up and be like hey I'm really interested in this I want to make a documentary on it or you know I think that like I'll come up with like a skit sketch idea that I think would be funny and um like I wish I had the power to go to like South Park or to go to Family Guy or to go somewhere and be like hey let's do the skit like I want to be in a place where like I can just create whatever content I want for whoever I want. Like, I'll think of ideas that will be great for Vice, or I'll think of ideas that would work great on, like, another show. And, um, yeah, I don't know. And I don't want my own company yeah. and to produce all that. I just, I want to do it for other companies. The same way, like, a photographer is a freelancer. I just want to be, like, a freelance idea machine. I don't know. But I would really love to be a researcher. I really want to be a researcher for a documentary. Yeah, that, that'd be cool. Uh, you also mentioned, like, actually, I, I think it's, like, just so important, like, if you wanted to do stuff like that, just to get out and meet people like you do. Like, I meet, like, a lot of, like, jaded people, but they're not doing anything. They're not working towards, like, maybe they tried one thing and it didn't work out. Yeah. So it, they're kind of like, oh, fuck Toronto, fuck the industry, blah, blah, blah. Where you, it's like you can keep chipping away at things yeah and there's like so much strength to that and as you're doing that you're gonna meet people who can like even take other ideas unrelated to why you're meeting them and branch out or like like you you mentioned earlier not on the show but uh when we're getting coffee that seth rogan and joda hill they met writing for a show yeah and now they ended up like colliding into like these mega stars or yeah. whatever so yeah. you never know what's gonna happen just getting out there exactly and um you can kind of feel it when you're like working with the right people or when you're moving in the right direction there's like some places where i was working for free but i didn't feel like i was benefiting from it because i didn't feel like 
they were big enough and I didn't know if I really believed the content. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's certain things that I have dropped off from, but then there's other things that, like, MPV will sometimes call me to do, like, free stuff and I'll totally do it. Or, like, I did, like, the Canadian Screen Awards because um, the director who's directing it I had worked with at MTV. And through that, I met, you know, I keep volunteering with the same people. Um, yeah. So one of the girls on there, she works on Say Yes to the Dress. And so they asked me to come in for a day. So I got to do that. And then um, they said that they might call me back for, like, other random shifts, which would be pretty awesome. So even just, like, with that, like, I would have never met her and gotten the opportunity to work on that show if I hadn't have done that. Also, one of the producers that I had met at the Junos, she now is, like, a producer at Chop Canada. So she got me to come in and do some work for them. So just things like that. Like volunteering is really important, but you want to make sure that you're volunteering for the right people. Yeah, and it's like without like the experience, like it's really tough. Like yeah. I know two people yeah, who listen to this podcast who are kind of like aspiring like filmmakers or media or whatever, and it's like kind of beginning steps. So it's kind of cool like to get your view on this because you're – you're like in that universe and they can like kind of be a bit of ahead of the game and kind of have like their guard up at the same time about like those certain things like and just like grabbing I don't know what was I gonna say if fucking like take advantage yeah being taken advantage of and stuff yeah like, that. like I've seen I'll see stuff on um like jobs posted on Craigslist or Kijiji for some company that no one's ever heard of that creates content that no one's ever heard of and they want interns and they basically want you to create content for them for free but you know you got to get a benefit out of it like when I like when I work the MMBAs because I'm sort of moving now into um, like the music industry direction yeah like I think I really want to work in the music industry I um, I you know became friends with like one of the like I was working for Jason Derulo, so mm-hmm. I was talking to his manager at um, at Warner, and he was like introducing me to a bunch of people, and now we still talk, and um, yeah, so just things like that, and having relationships with people like that, as well as like the head PR at Warner Music, yeah. um, like that's like I didn't get paid for that weekend, but I got like I would have never met him, mm-hmm. and by doing volunteer positions versus coming in for a job interview, they can actually see you work. Yeah. I would rather someone see me work than for me to sit down and tell them how great I am and why they should hire me. Yeah. Oh, I, we, when you mentioned Craigslist, I just thought of like this nightmare experience that I totally forgot about. But uh, it was like my first year in Toronto and I was just like taking like any video job off there. And uh, this one was so fucking weird. I, uh, this guy had, like, an idea for, like, editing a video or whatever, and, uh, so I go to his place, blah, 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 and there was something just, like, I can't even explain it, it was, like, a vibe in the air, that something's a little fucked up, and the guy was, like, he seemed, like, a little gay or whatever, and it was, like, it was, like, super late at night, and he kept wanting to get me, like, drinks and stuff like that, and I'm just, like, oh, no, 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 like, and at the same time in my mind, I'm like, it's not going there, but it could go there type of thing. And he's, like, telling me about, like, these crazy ideas, like how he, uh, 
and actually, I got excited to meet him because he had like a crazy like. He's, I don't know if he was posing as somebody else's like life, but he sent me all these articles that he apparently wrote in Time magazine. But then I met him at this like little shady apartment, and I'm just like, I don't think this no. is the guy. And he, long story short, at the end of the night, I'm like. I think this guy wants to fuck me. <laughs> and, I, oh, no. and like I'm like, okay, I, I got to get out of here or whatever. And um, I guess I, I got like a feeling like he was getting unsettled about me trying to leave. And he was just like, oh, let's work together again, blah, blah, blah. He gave me a $100 bill. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. And in the back of my mind, I'm just like, I'm not going to see you ever again so he's just like you're the best blah 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 he gave me a hug and kissed me on the cheek I'm like okay I'm out of here <laughs> I left I'm like okay I'm not working with him again uh, the next day I thought everything over I'm like I should like send this guy his hundred dollars back whatever I'm not gonna do any of this work I uh, I sent him an email I'm like I'm sorry I can't work with you I have no time blah 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 he kept calling me and calling me like Every Ew, 20 so minutes, creepy. it gets even fucking worse. I fucking stopped answering all of his calls. All of a sudden, I get a call from my uncle in Niagara Falls, Canada. And he, like, the guy's name was Carm. He's like, I got a call from a Carmen, and I I remember my heart and my stomach just sank like why is this guy calling my family and to think to even fucking do that like I, I when I met him I mentioned I'm originally from Niagara Falls but there's uh there's two different like giant families with the same last name as me and uh in Niagara Falls so he must have went in the phone book started at A and just kept phoning different people. Oh my god. And uh, luckily my uncle's name is Anthony who got the call. But I was just like oh my fucking god. What the fuck? And my uncle was was like oh uh, this guy he seemed like pretty nice. He was like really worried about you. He's like he wants to invite us over for like wine next time we're in Toronto. Oh I'm god. like I'm like, uncle, just, you you don't know what's going on. This is so fucked up right now. It was insane. Did you and explain it to him? I did, and he was just like, holy shit. <laughs> and, like, even, like, I come down, like, and see my uncle, like, every Christmas, and he always brings this up. This was, like, four years ago. He's like, oh, how's your buddy Carm? I'm like, what? Like, and, uh, so I, uh, I wanted to make a video exposing this guy. And I ended up recording a phone call on speakerphone with this Carm guy. But I was I was so angry reaming him out in this video. And it was just like, I had so much hatred in it. Like, I was just like, why the fuck are you calling my family? Blah, blah, blah. I never posted. I'm like, I don't want the world to see me like yeah. this or whatever. They can't know this side of me. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh, man. <laughs> I haven't thought of that in like so long. It's so fucked up. <laughs> like, but Craigslist, everybody at home, if you're trying to get a job, 
be careful on there. Like, See, seriously, have your room, guard up. And um, my roommate, <laughs> my roommate is constantly um, inviting guys over that she meets on there, or she'll go to those people's houses, and it just scares the shit out of me. I mean, and I always sound like a paranoid person when I'm like, if someone's gonna be crazy and look for somebody to prey on. They're going to do it online. They're not going to yeah. go to someone on the street anymore. It's too easy to go mm-hmm. online. Yeah. Because you, know, you can lure them so much closer to you, you know? Yeah, it's insane. Do you ever do, like, the Tinder thing, too? No. No, I mean, well, I uh, had okay. a girlfriend, like, since Tinder yeah. was invented. Okay, so you know so what? I, I have one. Yeah. But I use it for, like, to swipe because I enjoy the swiping <laughs> and creeping people. But I've never, like, gone on a date. Oh, okay. And I've never felt... Like I wanted to. Like sometimes I'm like, huh, maybe. And then I'm like, I think of all the work that would have to go into it, and I'm like, nah. Yeah, I'm learning so much about Tinder from doing stand-up comedy. Every fucking second comedian has a bit about Tinder. Oh god. So like, I didn't know anything about the swipe, but everybody has like a punchline. It's like, oh, swipe this way or whatever, and it's like the most overused like shit ever. Like in Toronto for comedians, it's Tinder and the TTC transit oh, jokes. God. Why wouldn't people avoid it if they see everyone talking about it? Um, I don't know. They want cheap laughs. Yeah. You know why it's bad to do jokes like that? Well, other than Tinder, um, other than um, um, Tinder, like TTC jokes are bad because like, what if you want a tour or what if you have a scout that's in there that like is like, oh, I don't know what the TTC is. Yeah, it's all like locational and it's yeah. you can't like branch really out yeah. anywhere. <laughs> Are you getting rained on right a now? A little bit. A little bit. Do you want to go inside? Yeah. As me and Miron segue indoors, I just want to apologize a bit. I noticed the the wind has picked up on a bit of our convo today. And I hope it's not bugging you that, that much. Um other than that, I think it's kind of cool to be outside and just <laughs> random happenings. Like, I don't know if you listened to the first episode and me and Mindbender were, like, doing it in the park. And this a bunch of dogs, like, came up to us and just strangers jumped in the co- conversation. And I don't know. It's, it's kind of fun to be out in Toronto. And I think it's kind of rad just having the sounds of the city we live in. And speaking of sounds of the city... Before I even moved to Toronto, I uh, when I was just stealing my camera from school, I started working with a buddy of my mine. Uh, his name is Ryan O'Shaughnessy, and he used to run a website called Tunes of To. And helping him out once in a while kind of set me on this path and made me realize all this media work is a lot of fun. And even this convo with Miron is making me think. Uh, of like the whole journey of coming out here and just doing my thing and it's making me feel very nostalgic and it's it's reminding me of some people we worked with on Tunes of T.O. and I'm going to take a song break right now of a band we shot on Ryan's roof for Tunes of T.O. and this band is called Make Your Exit and I don't even know if they're a band anymore but this song's fucking so chill and awesome enjoy
article for Vice, right? Yeah. How was that experience? It, um, it was interesting. I'm, I'm not like I'm not a writer, and I hate writing. It but you can write at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, and so it was fun. It was cool. Um, I just don't enjoy it at all. And but I thought it was great because like the year before, I had like a lot of anxiety and stuff, and like not feeling great about myself. And like one of my goals was to work for Vice. So then just to have like a couple months later and like two published articles in Vice, like that to me is a pretty big deal. That's fucking huge. Like yeah. I know people who are dying, like knocking on their door, like yeah. to do anything, be do documentaries or whatever. Um, did you used to like watch those Vice videos when they first like started coming out? Like yeah. do you feel like their content has like changed like so much? Like more I don't know, I see it like like a lot of their posts like aren't as conscious as they used to be it's more yeah. like trashy articles it depends like, on what you're looking at yeah. noisy um it's like hipster poking fun they have they they're still like really good writers um and like hbo vice is awesome um i love vice i mean i still want to work for them but in their documentary section the only thing that scares me is that like the whole like work having, like, a 24-hour Fox channel, and then the fact that, like, Rupert Murdoch, like, owns, I think he owns, like, a share in them. You know, if you ever watch the movie The Corporation, you'll see the clip of, um, you can also, like, YouTube it and just go The Corporation, um, Fox, and they just talk about, like, this, these people who were investigative journalists who were, they were being threatened and, like, blackmailed because they wanted to write a certain article, or they wanted to uh, to do a certain article, not article, um, news piece, and they weren't allowed because the, the news piece was going against one of their sponsors. And because uh. Rupert Murdoch um, owns so many um, companies and they're run by so many advertising companies that, like, they don't want to slander the advertising companies, which then hurts your journalistic integrity because you can't state all the facts, right? So you're ultimately going to be biased. Um, Vice says that they have all the creative rights, but I still think that it doesn't matter. The corporate people are going to come knocking on your door and say, no, you can't you can't publish this, or you can't you That's can't crazy. It's, it's so common, and it's like... It's, like, it's everything they're against. I don't know why they would join them. I mean, they joined them because they said they needed funding, um, I don't know why they would join them because they're supposed to be the alternative news, right? They're supposed yeah. to be, I don't want to watch CNN, I don't want to watch Fox, I don't want to watch CBC, CTV. Vice was supposed to be the alternative. And now it's like kind of yeah. shifting. But everything. what that does also, that opens up for someone else to come in and be the alternative. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, you can look at it that way as well. Yeah, we can be the alternative, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe. In one step to take over the world. Yeah. <laughs> but, have you ever heard of... Uh, a journalist named Amber Lyon. No. She used to work for CNN, and she was in, like, a situation... I forget the exact situation, but she was reporting and, like, making a documentary in uh, in Bahrain, and there was, like, a bunch of, like, fuck shit going... Long, <laughs> I'm doing very long story short, but there was, like, crazy shit going on, and CNN was like, no, you can't report this. And her whole entire life, when she was, like, a kid, she wanted to be, like, an honest journalist. Like, 
it was her dream to work for CNN. She's an anchor. She's like doing content stuff. And basically she had like just a moment with herself like I need to do the right thing. I need to be like the honest journalist I am. So she basically told CNN, "Fuck you, blah blah blah." Reported on this anyways, got fired from CNN. Uh, lived out of her car for a little bit. Oh my god. But now like lots of people like she kind of like went I wouldn't say mainstream, but she, she went super popular. Yeah, yeah name back that's, up. Her Twitter's popping. That's what's amazing popping. about the internet, too. Yes, like, there's like, so much power. Nobody, yeah, and nobody has, no big companies and people with money or, like, government has power anymore because other people have, like, the freedom of information. And there's so much information out there that, you know, these big companies or the government can say something and then everyone else can fact check and be like, okay, wait, that's wrong. Yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah. If anybody's interested in that story, too, uh, check out Amber Lyon on Joe Rogan's podcast and it's also funny like cause like her story was like pretty popular around then and that's why he got her on there and she she told her story and one thing led to another on this podcast with Joe and her about uh, psychedelic drugs and she never done like psychedelic drugs and like DMT ayahuasca or whatever and because of her conversation with Joe she got so intrigued and went to Peru and did like ayahuasca I don't know if you ever heard of yeah, that but basically you fucking talk to your spirit animal and all this crazy shit but uh, so she went to like a shaman like just like fucked off on a plane like in the middle of the jungle did this and now she's got a website called reset.me and it's basically like because of that experience she's just total like psychedelic advocate and like half like her her site's not all about like drug or like medicines i'm gonna say with quotations but uh she also like tells like straight up news too and it's just like such like a radical alternative to what we're used to it's just so crazy like just thinking of somebody like being like the front line of CNN like one of those robotic like news anchors just like almost being freed mentally yeah yeah my I remember I wanted to do ayahuasca and I remember telling my brother's a nurse let me I want to see if I can find the text that he sent me about it yeah um sorry yeah no take your time I can edit this forward how do you spell ayahuasca it's uh I think it's it starts with like an A-U I think if you, you type it how you think it's typed, it might come up. I'll see if um, it's in our text message yeah. history. I was, I was looking into it, and there's a place in Toronto you can do it. <laughs> but I feel like... Oh, no, it's not enough. So, my brother said, because he's a nurse, he says what actually happens is, like, whatever you drink, it makes you so, so sick. Yes. And your body's, you puke and your body's shit, reacting everything. to it, yeah. and that's why you're hallucinating because you're in like a certain like it's I don't know he explained to it explained it to me about like how it's actually like not good for you I forget how he explained it, it was pretty layman's terms yeah but um you're pretty much like on your deathbed I know you get really sick because I heard like I listened to Robin explain her ayahuasca like Robin from the Howard Stern show yeah I've listened to her explain it to Howard like three times because it's so funny to me Oh really? I haven't heard her thing her oh, take on so it. Oh, it's so funny. You have to listen to it. Yeah. Because he is looking at her like Robin. 
what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. And she just keeps going <laughs> into the story. And, you know, during the time, it was so spiritual and amazing for her. Yeah. But now that she's, like, explaining it to Howard, she's starting to feel a little silly about yeah, the whole Yeah, especially thing. he's going to just, like, chop her down. And yeah. Like, yeah. I am. Um, no, I totally get why people, like, do drugs and stuff for enlightenment. But I also think that, like, um, I believe that those things are there. Yeah. And they're in your you have like they're there already and the drugs just open the doors and I think that if you want to do drugs go ahead but I feel like you can find those moments and you can think like that if you train yourself well enough and if you know yourself well enough and if you know how to like silence your mind the more you learn about like meditation yes um always gonna mention something about that I think that you don't necessarily need drugs for that yeah I think you just need to be a more thoughtful person and more insightful and but some people do need drugs for that the same yeah. way some people need drugs so they aren't tired all the time yeah know? I uh I was gonna mention the meditation thing because I used to unconsciously kind of like meditate or it's like I'd be trying to take a nap or whatever and I'd fall into a state of sleep paralysis and when I was younger like a teenager I didn't know what it was I thought I was dying and I basically, like, throughout, like, years I was, like, researching on, like, the internet about it. And that's how I found out about DMT and ayahuasca. Because apparently those are just kind of, like, a speed pass to get to that state. And for myself, I was like, why would you ever want to get to that state? And then more I read into it, like, my mid-20s, like, this is from me being a scared 13-year-old to about four or five years ago, I was just reading something, and somebody was like, oh, next time, like, you have sleep paralysis, um, don't be afraid, don't try to wake up, go with it, and the most amazing things can happen. And uh, from reading that, too... Every time it would happen, I'd still get scared. I'd still be like, wake up, wake up, wake up, I'm dying, I'm dying, or something. And then, I don't know, like, years after reading that, like, on an internet forum, I was uh, I was in my college house, and I got sleep paralysis again. I'm just like, oh, shit. And for some reason, I thought about that moment reading that. And it's like, don't be scared. And, like, usually when that happens, I feel like I can't breathe. Yeah. And I just, I just, like, all of a sudden I was in that state and I could breathe. And then all of it, like, this this is going to make me sound so wacko, but I pretty much had an outer body experience from uh, relaxing. And now, every time that happens, like, I don't really, like, I, I cause an outer body experience, but during that, I have a thing where it wakes me up. Because I'm almost, like, I, I train myself to kind of linger in that state, and now it came full circle where I'm scared again. It happens and I don't like feel the amazingness of whatever that is. So I got a move I do <laughs> to wake up and it's basically when I'm having this outer body feeling, I just start flying in the air and I wake up. Oh wow. And and it's like it feels amazing for like five seconds. And yeah. And I bet you there could be a drug that you could take to stop you from having sleep paralysis or you can train yourself. Yeah, you know I, mean? I, mean, I'm I not think, sure if I think there's a drug like for it, but like I, yeah. I feel like there's a lot of things that people take drugs for when like you just need to train yourself. Yeah, but it it usually happens like in a state of meditation 
So that's like when you mentioned uh, like getting to a state, an ayahuasca state or yeah. a DMT state of natural meditation. Uh, I learned through this like 15 year journey of yeah. just like researching yeah. that I was doing that when I was 13 and I didn't know. Like I didn't know what DMT and stuff was yeah. and it just... I don't know, it's this thing that keeps going in full, full circle. And I got relaxed with it, and I, it was, I was enjoying having sleep paralysis. And now it's like, I don't know what it is. It's starting to scare me again. Like, I watched, I watched some horror movies about it, which are fictional movies, by the way. But now it just trips me out when I, like, because when it's happening, I'm just like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like, you think something's coming for you? Yeah, it's like uh, that Insidious series. Oh, I don't know God. if you've seen those. No, I haven't. But it's, it's all about that, and... You can tell, like, the person who directed it, like, done, like, DMT or has sleep paralysis or whatever, because it's, like, so true to it, and that's why I enjoy those horror movies. Like, it's my favorite horror movie series, because it connects me in, like, such a real way. I'm like, this is terrifying. I'm like, this is, like, the most effective horror movie for me. But they were almost, like, done too good in that sense of, like, the outer body experience. Even to like the point where what I feel and see happen in that movie, like kind of like being in the same room, but there's like some things altered and it's like a dimmer color and it's just like, what the fuck? I don't know. This podcast is getting batshit crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Mira. I used to have like nightmares yeah. where, like, I used to be scared of babies. Yeah, like, <laughs> who isn't? And like, I, I walked Sorry, all my <laughs> friends who have children. I watched like some movie, you know, Big Baby or Baby Baby Genius. Oh, okay. That movie creeped me out so much. I have no idea why. And I, I never even heard of it. From that, and I used to like go and wake my parents up and go and sleep with them because I'd be so scared. They came out when I was like four. Or yeah. Something. They were scary. What is it? Is it like a baby horror movie? Or no, it? it's just like about babies who can talk, but it creeps me out. <laughs> That's so creepy. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I used to have weird nightmares about babies that would come after me. <laughs> like, like, it's, and it's you funny. Can't kill like, a baby. Like, so if it attacks you, you can't kill it. All those like early like animated like late '80s stuff or early '80s. Uh, my girlfriend's got a thing where she she just hates. Um, when cartoons are mixed with real people, because when she was a kid, she watched like Roger Rabbit yeah, and it no, like tripped her out. Yeah. That used to scare me too. That used to scare me a lot yeah. because it was like something that's innocent, which is a cartoon, but what it was doing wasn't innocent. So it like it was so creepy. I don't know. Yeah, I think um, like stuff like that, like at a young age, it connects with you, like throughout like your life like you'd be like scared of that because even like there was like a commercial for like a, a new spongebob movie which is half real people I know, and, and, and i just so looked creepy. at her because like 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 a month before that she told me about a roger <laughs> yeah. rabbit experience and she's just like i don't like it <laughs> like, i saw that commercial too and i just freaked out i'm like i can't watch that it's crazy no it's creepy yeah i got a i got a weird thing with snakes i hate snakes okay. and i remember like it's it's like the same shit from like a, a young age. Like I, people about snakes is they can't necessarily see the way they move. Yeah, that's like, kind of my thing. They're like they're like they have to be kind of 
there has to be a space between them and the ground, I think, for them to kind of move like that. Yeah. And I don't know. I think the way they move is what And they're just so blood. unpredictable. Like, you can be sneaking up on it. Its head turns around. <laughs> they got fangs. Yeah. But I grew up with a lot of snakes, so they yeah. don't they don't. They're all cool me. with you. Yeah. I, uh... I got freaked out at a young age. There used to be the show uh, called When Animals Attack. Yeah. And uh, they had, like, the home edition. And I was just a kid, and I didn't realize that. Oh, in toilets. Yes. Come on, it's toilets. Yes. Okay, you, you watched this episode. <laughs> no, 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 I just know that's a thing. Oh, okay, I yeah. I think it happened to my brother. Wow. And when I was in Costa Rica, they would warn you about that. Oh, my God. But the thing that scared me in Costa Rica actually was the, <coughs> like, those, that didn't, like, snakes never scared me, but um, uh, scorpions scared me. Oh, those are Because they're so too. small, and the way they move, and, like... They got you, claws and a tail that kills until, you. Yeah, until they, like, you know, bite you. And one of the hotels that we stayed at, they had, like, a... They had, like, this big, like, <coughs> box that was basically filled with, like, whatever they found in the hotel, they would just throw it in that box so everyone could see, you know? Oh, fuck. Yeah, it was scary. That's crazy. You have to shake out everything before you pack it and unpack it. You have to shake out everything before you sleep, oh, you know? I hate it. It like, was kind of creepy. When I was a kid, I didn't understand that animals like that wouldn't be in in Canada, like, I had, like, no location, like, knowledge in my head, like, I remember watching the show when I was, in the desert area, yeah, I was, like, five, and I watched that snake one, and, uh, apparently, like, the snake was, like, a python was, like, loose in an apartment building, and it was, like, no, it was, it was, like, down south somewhere, and it was, like, going through, like, pipes and stuff, and it, they had a shot, and it was a stage shot, but, like, my childhood brain doesn't know, like, this is not, like, real. a real shot. And it had, like, the snake come out from the toilet. Holy fuck. I probably didn't take, like, a shit for, like, three months. You know what <laughs> like, used to scare me about going to the bathroom? YTV used to have the show during commercial breaks, and this, there would be a hand that would come out of the toilet and talk. Oh, And no. I used to be scared that um, when I would go to the bathroom, that that hand will come out and grab me. And, like, <laughs> so that used to scare me. Drag you in. Yeah, and then also, okay, so there was that scene, but then there was also in um, in the Spice Girls movie, like that, <laughs> that bald guy Terrifying. who comes out of the toilet. So now I just think that, like, people coming out of the <laughs> toilet is a thing. Who is this? Okay, I... I'm surprised, like, I haven't seen the Spice Girls movie. Oh my god, it's so good. Please watch it. It's my just sister fun. was obsessed when it's she was a kid. It's a fun movie. So, is this guy, like, some creepo living in the Spice Girls toilet? He's, like, spying on them. That's He's, creepy. like, a reporter, you know, for, like, a tabloid. <laughs> a reporter. Quotations. Yeah. <laughs> was he, like, in there with his camera? I can't remember. Well, yeah. I don't know. I can't remember, but it was just so creepy. And he's a creepy, bald guy. <laughs> And he was all wet because <laughs> the toilet water. Oh my god. <laughs> Anywho, are you getting tired right now? You look a little tired. Oh no, I'm yeah. not tired. Were you up at 5 a.m. today? Yep. The doing, grind. Yeah, doing the job I hate. Um, and I was out on Saturday night. I usually go out Saturday nights and then I work at 5 a.m. Or I work at 6.30 the next day and then because... The subway doesn't run um, until 9 a.m. on Sundays. I have to walk to work, so yeah. that sucks. But it's the life. Yeah. Sometimes I look at my job and I'm like, oh, my God, I've been here for almost two years, and it scares me. 
Like, I get really scared. But at the same time, you got to think, you have so many fires and coals, like, all over the place. Like, or yeah. so many coals and different fires is the yeah. saying. And what like, some other people would be doing right now is doing more school. Yeah. Getting more in debt. So I'm like, uh, I'm just happy with the experience. Yeah, and it's having. like, you're kind of, like, just learning as much, if not more, just getting out there and doing it, which yeah. is really cool just connecting with people yeah. and I talked about like this project that I can't really talk about right now sorry people listening but if something happens like we're gonna like just turn this all around we won't have to do our day jobs hopefully and shit like that which it's just so important to get out there and just I don't know follow your passion follow your passion yeah all I don't want like sometimes I get scared but then I look at like my family members who you know have money but I wouldn't want their life yeah like even if I had money I wouldn't be comfortable I as long as I'm doing what I love like I'm happy yeah I don't need I don't need all the other things and like also the harder you work and the more you work towards your passion and also the more you like read and learn about things um you learn that like money it really isn't that valuable and the only thing that's really valuable is time Oh, Miron dropping knowledge. I had to end it with that solid point. And even though we ended the recording there, um, I was about to leave. And Miron's like one of those people where you can just talk to forever. And it's just like as as I'm like gathering my stuff, uh, I forget. We put, we sparked up another another conversation and went down another rabbit hole of philosophy for like a whole other hour which i wish i recorded we could have made another episode but uh but yeah that's just how it is with uh with me and her she's like she's one of my favorite people to to talk to during this conversation we brought up this author who uh wrote this book called the power of now and he goes by the name of Eckhart Tolle Eckhart yeah am i saying it right Eckhart Eckhart it's hard to say Eckhart, his name, Eckhart Tolle, <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, I, I, I was saying to Miron, I get, um, I'm gonna take this part of an interview from him, and post it at the end of this show because it deals with a lot of the stuff we've been talking about. So I had this one clip in mind to to play, and as I was like searching around of his YouTube videos. I found something I've never seen before, which is totally awesome. And it's this author. He's uh, he's at like kind of like a press conference type questionnaire setting. Like he's he's sitting on a stage and people are going up to a microphone and asking him questions. And uh, he uh, he quotes in his book uh, like something about the divine purpose of the universe. And this lady comes up. She's like, "Oh, thanks for being my." my teacher and she pretty much asks him to explain the divine purpose of the universe and the crowd chuckles like oh my god that's a crazy question to ask and he ends up giving a beautiful answer and this is how we're going to end the show right now thanks for listening see you next week yeah thank you for being my spiritual teacher you really helped me a lot um, you say in the power of now that 
You are here to enable the divine purpose of the universe to unfold. Could you please explain what the divine purpose of the universe is? (laughs) (laughs) The universe wants to awaken consciousness coming into that this dimension is the divine purpose but the divine purpose is twofold one is the universe delights in creation it delights in creativity it delights in creating new forms how do I know that well just look around on the planet here, the millions of life forms in the sea, on land, in the air, it, it, the universe delights in, in creating this multiplicity of forms and it delights in experiencing itself through all those forms because you are not a separate entity. It's not the case as sometimes the ego, egoic self believes here's me and there's the rest of the world or the universe. Or the ego thinks that, that it is in the universe. It somehow suddenly appeared, fallen into this universe and then where am I? On the, here's the, I'm in this universe. You're not in the universe. You are the universe, the one life expressing itself through countless life forms. And there's a growing complexity in life forms. And with every experience, the universe is experiencing itself as your life is extremely differentiated in human beings the way in which life or the universe or the one consciousness experiences itself in this dreamlike world is extremely differentiated. It is amazing that every human being is different of of billions of humans on the planet. Every human not only looks different, you could recognize if you know one person out of these billions, I can't remember how many billions are on the planet now, you could recognize this person out of billions of other human beings just by looking at their face. This is how, how, how differentiated it is on the surface le- level already. And then every life experience, of course there are many similarities, but there's a uniqueness to every life experience. Every life experience is a world that arises and subsides. My mother's life, your mother's life, your parents' life, anybody's life, was a particular world. The way she experienced the world was very different from the way I experienced it. It's like my mother and I, and I'm just taking one example from my personal experience, seem to inhabit completely different universes. But we were in the same place, but experiencing life in a totally, totally different way. And the universe delights in that complexity of experience, so it wants to experience itself as form. It means, and so the forms become 
evolving more, more complex. The humans that are alive now have far greater complexity than the humans that were alive 10,000 years ago or 50,000 years ago. Life at that time was more simple. Gather the food, gather the plants, or hunt an animal if they, were, if they did that, prepare the meal, go out hunting, come back home. It's fairly simple. There wasn't the complexity of uh, New York City, <laughs> LA freeways, <laughs> and all that uh, that's behind that. The, um, nuclear physics, whatever, and so on. And so the universe delights in that, and you are an expression of that. It wants to become conscious of itself through you, and it's doing that, attempting to do that through humans, but the universe, that, that one consciousness is not separate from you. You are an expression of it. But the universe also wants to know itself deeply, its own source. It wants the source realization also. So I, I know that because I, I know by looking within myself, there is an outgoing movement into creation. And there's a return movement that wants to realize itself in its essence. The universe wants both. It wants to go out and create. It wants, also wants to realize its own essence through you. In a human life that expresses as wanting to do things in this life, wanting to contribute to this life, wanting to create something, to make something of your life, your so-called life, it, it expresses as that. It exp and the other, the return movement, so you have the outward movement of the universe. The return movement expresses as coming totally into the present moment, stepping away from becoming into being. Becoming is the outward movement. What can I do now? I need to do something. I want to create this. I feel that this wants to, there's something coming through me. I feel a piece of music wants to come through me. A book wants to be written or something, whatever. I want to do this or create this, set up this business or that or whatever. And then it's this becoming, doing. But then there's another movement that says, I just want to be and be still and this present moment, go deeply into this moment. I don't need to become anything at all. I just want to be fully who I am already and go deeply into being. So you have, it's almost this contradictory movements. In some humans, the outward tendency is greater. In others, the inward tendency is greater. Both are necessary and somehow both need to be there as long as you're here in a human form. Both to some extent will be in you but they will be different to different degrees. Some are much more going within and to being to the source. But I would suggest that it's not either or there are certain spiritual traditions that look upon it as more as either or. They say, forget about the world, just 
realize who you are and then you can just sit in a corner for the rest of your life and never do anything again, you don't need to. That's one way, but it's, uh, for us, it's finding a certain balance, which doesn't mean it needs to be to totally in balance. There are very few humans who are totally balanced between the outward movement of creating and the inward movement of connect connecting with your, with your inner being and the source of all life. You need to have both so that you, the universe can create through you without losing itself in its creations. So you can create not from a place of egoic need where you depend on the outcome. Uh, if I don't get that, I'll kill myself. If I don't achieve, if I don't get famous and rich, I, I don't know what I'll do. Not that, but a playful participation in the world of form and, and contributing to it to the world of form without losing itself in the creation and in the doing. The mo if you become stressed, means you're losing yourself in the doing. <laughs> this is more important than you completely forget. You become uprooted. You're no longer connected to the spaciousness, the unconditioned, con the one within. So to to be and do at the same time. But some humans, yes, are much more drawn to being. I call them frequency holders. <laughs> they hold the frequency of being on the planet. They, they're not interested in creating huge things out there. They're interested in doing perhaps little things. Gardening, cooking, uh, looking after animals, being with animals, helping humans in some capacity, uh, helping even f physical, helping humans their with their bodies and so on. Uh, so they are frequency holders, they are, they are more into being than there's some doing, but you cannot, you always have to do something, you can't, but they don't put the emphasis on doing, the emphasis on being, and then they allow presence to flow into what they do, and they affect the world also very significantly. Others have a greater tendency to performing creative action. They need to go out there and become active, but their challenge is not to get lost in what they do and, th and thinking that's all important. They forget that this is a play of form. And then there comes a seriousness and a heaviness into the doing, and they get unhappy. <laughs> and when you are unhappy, whatever you create has some flavor of that unhappiness. So the divine purpose of the universe, to summarize my long explanation, <laughs> is to know itself, both through the creation of form and through realization of, of, of the formless essence of all life. And that is the divine purpose of the universe and that you are here as part of that. That's it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>